Welcome back to Real Estate Agent Lessons with Mongo. Today, we're going to have our third portion of the podcast with Justin Berry, the team leader out in Kansas City. We're going to be talking today about the real estate industry's trajectory right now with brokerages, different team models and their importance, and lastly, Justin's advice for aspiring and struggling through real estate. So let's get into it. Now, you know, every transaction, I pretty much budget, you know, 500 bucks, whether that's the fridge went out or, you know, the other day we, we, uh, we double ended one of those buyer letter deals I was telling you about. Yep. And a year later, I saw that one of our clients was complaining on Facebook that the, uh, that the, uh, plumbing that they, a plumbing repair that my plumber had done had uh, leaked again. So, you know, I called him up and I was like, Hey, you know, it'd been like a little over a year. And I said, well, I saw this on Facebook. I don't want you guys to have had a bad experience. Let me take care of it for you. You know, and I'll send you pick the plumber and I'll take care of it for you. And it was like, you know, it's like 700 bucks. I don't have to do that, but that's, that's my, that's my secret. I can afford to do it. And, um, and I want to have their referrals and I want to be the person. So let's say that, that, that transaction went smooth. Imagine you're in a, you know, that you're a pilot. I mean, how many times does a pilot fly? The, the, the flight was perfect. He landed it. It's not remarkable, but you land a plane in the Hudson and you're the best pilot on earth, right? <laughs> sometimes letting those, you know, sometimes those, those hairy deals, that's where trauma bonding or whatever, you know, that's where the relationships are built. And when you have that opportunity in the middle of a chaos and trauma to go, man, I totally hear where you're coming from. That's awful. You know, the least I can do is take care of it for you. Yep. You will have that client for life and you won't have to walk that fence and I'll never be able to take them from you you've already done it. Yeah. I tell agents all the time, like when something goes wrong in a transaction, that's what we get paid for. That's why mm -hmm. we're kind of overpaid. Like if you really look at the amount of work we got to do, if there were no problems, we would be massively overpaid. Right. right? If but there was no problems, they'd have it figured out. Zillow would have it. They wouldn't yeah. even need us. They'd, just right. be they'd, a, they'd have showing trade. agents and then just a title company, right? Yeah. We, the, we are the problem solver. So I tell agents when they get really flustered, right? They're, oh, well, this is going on and my, my, my seller's not taking this and he's not accepting whatever. It's like, great, put on your cape and go to work, right? That's what I call it, like putting on your cape. Like you get to be the superhero right now. Right. This is such an incredible moment. Like when you're really stressed because something's going on, so are they. And if you get to be the person that saves the day, that person's tied to you. Like that person's telling other people, especially in the example you just gave, somebody's blasting this on social media saying, oh, well, this leak started happening again after I paid this guy, don't use this guy, whatever. And you come on, come in with your cape and you solve the day. They're the kind of people that are going to tell 20 more people about that. Right. You know, and so they had something to tell. What, what is the story? Hey, uh, Andrew, I flew last week to Orlando. We uh, took off and we landed and it was fine. Like, there's no story there, but there was a time when I left Orlando recently and I was coming home and one of our engines went out and they had to turn around and come back and they didn't tell me what was going on until we were landed. And they were, you know, and they were, I, when I land on the tarmac, this is a real story. There was ambulances chasing our airplane down the tarmac because they didn't know if they were going to be able to land it well. They landed it. What a great pilot. Yeah. And right. So, but what's the difference there, right? If they would have said, Hey, one of our engines just went out, we're going to go, we're going to have tons of EMS on the floor because this could go horribly wrong. Now you've got eight minutes of pure terror coming around back in for that landing instead of just solving the problem and then telling everybody. And that's what I like doing when a problem's presented to me. I dislike it when 
a service provider, title company, lender, something like that, tells the person immediately, hey, we got a really big problem. This is going down. Hey, the seller said right. this. and Because it doesn't let me be the hero. It tells them that the engine is broke. Versus right. just tell the pilot. The pilot should know. Obviously, he's got all the instruments in your example. And fix the problem, land and go, hey, guys, the reason why you're seeing everybody out here is because this is what happened. Right? They know exactly. something's yeah. going on. You're turning around. But it's the same example in real estate, like find the problem, find a solution before you present it to them or options for them if they need options. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. The, uh, so, those are opportunities, though. And, you you know, I, I just see it too often where, you know, where, where they're bickering about, you know, 200 bucks. You know, who's going to pay it? It's not my responsibility. After the transaction, I got to get it to my seller. I'm like, you know how many times that I just go ahead and pay the vendor at at a job that way the vendors taken care of also I want my vendors to work for me I want them to jump because we only have a certain amount of time in a transaction to get things accomplished yep. so guess what I cut the check and I collect it from my clients later because I want to keep everything going along you know that's you know how do you make a relationship sticky is how I'm looking at it and, Selfish, and selfishly it, yeah selfishly but it provides mm -hmm. a great experience which means they have a good experience so it might be selfish to us in the long term but it's helping them out now right yeah all of absolutely. those little things they're going through a tremendous amount of stress when they're buying or selling a home so when you could take stuff i'm not saying pay for everything for them all the time right but sometimes that's the best way to do it to keep that stress off you know right you know it's not your job but it's your opportunity you know? right yeah. So, so capitalize on it. So the mm -hmm. last topic I really want to hit today, um, and I know I've taken a ton of time from you, man. I really appreciate okay. all of it is the real estate industry's trajectory right now with brokerages, right? we've yeah. talked about this a little bit before it feels to me. And, and you've said this too, that it feels like a lot of these brokerages are racing to the bottom as far as commissions and what they're offering. What's the quickest way you kind of talked about it earlier. Somebody going to a hundred percent brokerage, try to keep as much money, you know, and cut out the fat as much as possible. And oftentimes they fail. So why is the industry doing that? Do we know, do we have any inkling and what are we going to do to be able to stop that? Cause eventually like brokers margins are already pretty low. Three to 5% on average is what I've heard. I'm not a brokerage owner. Um, that's a tiny, tiny margin for profit. Right. So with that, the number one complaint I hear from agents is what do I get for my money from my broker? Are agents really looking for the lowest cost or are they looking for the most value? Now, I don't think they necessarily know that most value is even on the table. So yep. in, in absence of value, they're going to go with cost, right? We do the same yep. thing in real estate. I would rather have a broker that supported me when I'm up and down. One thing that's, one thing that's uh, you got to understand about brokerages is they have to offer caps to be competitive. So you're basically saying, pour into me until my cap, and then it's no longer financially advantageous for the broker to support. Every minute he spends with you at that point is only for retention. I would rather water what works. So what you're actually doing in those situations is you're incentivizing, you know, human incentive incentivization. You're incentivizing your broker to water the weeds. And I would rather have him continue watering me. So like in our team, we do the IWE team model. So for every piece of business that you do and every piece of business that you do with me, I, my team is required to come up with a piece of business for you. So uh, yeah, our splits are not, 95% and 100, but our agents, they're a bit, they're able to work in the niches that they want to work in. They are able, you know, it, it's financially rewarding for me to reward them, you know, cause I water them. I get more, they get more. There's a, there's a natural give and take. And I just think if you're hiring a partner, 
because that's what a broker is supposed to be. You're, you're yep. going to somebody and you're like, hey, I want to be a, we're going to be partners in this business. You want your partner to be incentivized. I, I bonus out my VAs. I want them to be thinking of ways to get better at doing this job. So many people are like, well, I only pay them $5 an hour. And I'm like, they don't even want to know what the profit looks like. My VA is like, I don't know what, I don't even know what works because they never told me. I'm like, well, every time something works, you know, you get a hundred bucks. Like this is, this is, I want them like, you know, like Fred, my video editor yesterday, he was like, Hey, I uh, really want to improve quality. Like I'm, I was, I was looking at the analytics and uh, that's when I kind of messaged you talking about stuff. And he's like, so I think we really don't want to focus on, you know, quality. And here's some ideas I have on how we can increase quality. Terrific. That's exactly what I want. And I want to water him for doing that. I want to water my agents for doing what works. You know, um, I don't want to get in a position where you're, you know, it's August and you're on that third quarter and you go, well, all my producers capped out. How do I, you know, how do I water these weeds? Right. And, um, you know, I don't want to be in a brokerage of a hundred agents where only 20 people are doing business. I want to, I want to live in a world of professionals and I want to be watered like a professional. And I, you know, that's what I would want. Now, again, we come from a model that is kind of, it's obviously broken because people wouldn't fail out at the level that they do. And the solution can't be cutting more costs because I've never talked to an agent that said, you know, I'm not doing well in real estate because of costs. (laughs) You would think so, but it's not right. That's what they'll complain about. That's the pain that eventually that's, that's ninth inning pain. Yep. The, uh, they're complaining about lack of opportunity or lack of training or lack of direction, um, lack of momentum, you know? So yeah, my, my splits are higher than uh, my competition in the market and I am not for everybody, but I'm for about 20 or 25 agents that, you know, for myself, that's what I want and they'll get momentum. They won't have those lulls and they will probably grow. My, my hedge is that they grow a better business by just taking care of their people and focusing on being good at their job. And you know, it comes at a cost because it does cost. It does. And it's very expensive. And I think it's very important that that happens because when we go in a market shift like this, like it's not, it's not our agents leaving the industry. It's everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Because we're teaching them. Yes. The, the splits aren't fun. I'm not naive to that. Right. Especially on a team when you've got a brokerage split, any other fees that you've got, then you've got the team split, right? Like it hurts. But yeah. if that means that you stay in this industry for 20 years happily with whatever your goal is, it could be money. It could be, you know, time with your family, what have you. And you're providing that stuff for them. Well, then the splits don't matter as much when they can see it. There's still agents that aren't going to see it. You know, yeah. there's still agents that's going to, we had one in the six months she was on our team, sold nine homes. She'd been in the industry 20 years. She never sold more than four in a full year. In right. six months, sold nine, then called me up and said, I've got to leave the team. These splits are too harsh. And right. I said, you, you're, you've made twice the money that you've ever made. Like even after the splits, like after everything, you've made twice the money already. And it's only six months in. You were on a trajectory to, to do four times the amount of business. And then she decided to leave and guess where she's at now? Selling four to six homes again on some some other split on some other team. Like, you know, maybe she learns her lesson on that or maybe she's right. Who knows? Uh, But ultimately like, you know, the emotion says I can't, I just can't, that logically doesn't make sense because the emotion filtered out the, the option, you know? Um, And for her, that's what it is. And there's, you know, so our job as team leaders is, you know, it's always recruiting because you're always going to have that people are going through different learning phases. And, um, and again, my model is not for everybody. It's not for a visionary. I can tell you that I'm a visionary. I, you know, working with another visionary for me, wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be ideal. 
somebody's going to come into my group and go, well, why aren't we doing it this way? And they should go do it that way. Now that's, that's why they have that, that mindset. But you know, people that got into real estate and they said, you know what I want to do? I want to help people. I want to show houses and I want all the things that we tell them that, you know, that the, the industry shows them what real estate's supposed to be. Those agents should do extremely well in a model that I have where they can do the things they signed up for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think that's where the, the different team models are so important. Like I tell people when I'm interviewing them, I push them to my competitors. I'm like, I want you to go see what the other teams are providing because yeah. you, you, you might not necessarily want to be here. You might think you do. And then when you find out we're not going to pour leads into you like crazy, like we, we pour a lot of leads, but it's not going to be your sole source of business. I don't want it to be. It's not beneficial for the agent. It's beneficial for me as a team leader. Right. It's beneficial for the team as a whole. And it's not beneficial to the client. Right. Because Definitely not beneficial to the client. Being a transaction agent, just waiting for your phone to ring, like that's all you're going to service. And then you're not going right. to service them after the deal that doesn't fit with my vision. It doesn't fit exactly with what I know works. So I don't want somebody like that on my team. I want you to be able to go procure your own, you know? And I, I think that just adds a ton of value, but like there might be other teams out there. Like we've got one in our market that's a Zillow Flex. We actually have two that are Zillow Flex. Mm -hmm. They're just getting poured on leads, but it is a way different it's a way different mindset. They're on a 30% commission, you know, they're, they're, they're workhorses, right? But they are crushing deals, which is advantageous in a certain aspect. If you need to build that up and you're willing to just, you know, for lack of a better word, eat shit for a while, like, <laughs> then, then, okay, cool. Do that for a year to build up your database and leave. But the problem is those team leaders are taking out those, those sales from you. So when you do leave, did you really leave with the database or not? Right. So you got to, no, did game. you leave with uh, momentum and energy or did you, you know, I've seen those agents come out of three years of running their ass off and they don't hit the ground running because it's exhausting. They're, they're, they're moving emotionally. Why are they moving away from all that momentum? Cause it was too much momentum. So now they're moving into this next thing where they're like, I would just take a bigger split and do less work. But it's like throwing $5 on the table. Now when you're used to playing the twenties, yeah. I just, I don't often see them pull out. Like in your career, you have like this initial, like inertia of, um, you know, that what's the angle? What's the, what's the math word? Uh, uh, incline trajectory, incline, I don't know. trajectory, trajectory, right. But after a while you get, you know, you start putting responsibilities on you. Now you're carrying a, a pack and you don't have the trajectory. So it's kind of like that, that three year mark, you kind of find out where somebody's trajectory is probably going to be. And at that point they grow at that angle. Right. But if somebody robs your first three, years of, of energy. And then all of a sudden you don't have any, I mean, that trajectory. And I've seen that happen too many times too. It's really hard to get the, uh, the mind power back. Plus if you're used to running, you know, all those deals, it feels like I had an agent come to me one time that was exactly one of those scenarios. And I was like, when you come to my team, it's going to feel like you're not working. Like mm -hmm. you're going to probably get depressed. <laughs> and I'm not saying we don't do business, but we don't do that frequency. You know, and we're a 50-50 model. We're not a 30 model. But I was, I was like, I want to make sure that you're not coming here and then you're going to feel uh, depressed. So she went to another model just like that. And now she's a solo agent and she's trying to find her trajectory, trying to muster up and, um, you know, and uh, find find whatever that is. You know, when you're a new person, you have a lot of a lot of hope. And all of a sudden, yep. you know, you have to refine it. I think a lot of agents have to find that at year three. And that's why people get out of the industry in year three. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I think when uh, up for a lot of agents, when they look at the amount of work they're going to have to do when they were on that kind of model, and now they're they're almost starting from scratch again because you didn't build those skills. Like, right. I I get a lot more pleasure personally. Like I could do this on my own. I could build you know a bunch of virtual assistants around me, mm-hmm. and I could make a lot more money. I did before. You know, I had a bigger team. I was in sales more. Like there's more money in it for me that way. But I I enjoy you know, helping the agents and things like that. And that's not the only reason I'm doing it, but that's a big part of it. And I get a, a tremendous amount of pleasure when one of our agents leave and then they actually become something and they become very successful. Like I can point at probably 20 people in, you know, in the last couple of years that I've trained that are doing outstanding. And I love it. People are like, wasn't that person on your team? Like, yeah. And this is awesome, right? Like yeah. it's just a different mindset. And I would like to see a brokerage, that offers that, that, that that's their mindset of like, you know, if you need to leave, leave, just leave and be successful. That's the brokerage I was raised in. You know, I had a, I had a great mentor. And when I came to him and said, Hey, I'm ready to fly. You know, I came and talked to him well before I made a move well before I bought a building well before I did that. And, uh, and he said, he's like, well, you're actually like the first person that's came to me. Like he was kind of caught off guard in a good way. It's the first time somebody had came to him and had that conversation versus like, Hey, I did this yesterday. Here's my, you know, and that's how, you know, it was really hard. Cause like I grew really well there and I had, um, you know, not a bad thing to say about it. I just hit a part in my life where I wanted to know what was behind that door, you know, and I didn't think I was ever going to be in a better position. And when I looked back in, you know, 10 or 15 years, I was going to regret not seeing what was behind that door. And he said to me, he's like, well, you know, he kind of swallowed a couple times, you know, and then he's like, well, you know, that's great because that's what I did. I, I can't fault you. That's what I did. That's why I'm here. And, uh, you know, and it was, you know, that he's like, that's what people are supposed to do. They're supposed to, you know, grow out of this. Yep. And that's a, um, you know, and if I ever, you know, I'll never go anywhere else. Just like that was, that was his opportunity. I mean, I don't, he was, he didn't mean it that way, but that's his opportunity to secure that relationship. He handled that exit the right way. And if I ever decide that, man, running this was not what I thought it was, which is just as likely as anything else, you know, you don't know until you stand somewhere, whether you like it or not. So we'll continue standing where we're standing. And if I ever get to the point where I go, you know, this wasn't the reward I thought it was going to be, I'm going to go right back, right back to that, because that's a relationship I still want to continue being a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of that too, when, when you as an individual that had that really good experience is maybe you're talking to somebody, a recruit, and they're not right for your team. They're looking for something different. It gives you somebody to point to and go, you know what? They, they really helped me out. You look like you want bigger goals down the road. This individual did it for me. He could probably help you. That's exactly what we've talked about. And there are people in his brokerage that, you know, people get into real estate for the, he's a brokerage. It's a, like a 95% model. You pay your rent, and it's a 95% uh, model. And for me, that was the right, that was the right soil for me to grow in. But he has turnover as well, just like everybody else does. My soil is not for every type of plant and his soil is not for every type of plant. And, you know, nobody has the perfect soil, but for sure there, there's somebody like if I have a visionary coming to me and they've got ideas on how they can improve real estate, like that's my real reason in doing this is I look at this and go, man, this product could be better. Like you should never open a pizza shop unless you can make better pizza than, you know, why even enter the market? Well, there's enough market share. I could take my little, just don't even do it unless you're going to come out with something that's, you know, remarkable. And I look at real estate and I go, I want to do something that actually is better, better for the clients, better for the agents, because I see it as a broken thing. But if I have somebody that comes to me and they have that same mindset, 
we can't have two cooks in my kitchen. I've got my things. Now, if you want to be a part of it and share ideas and we can do that, great. But honestly, if I met myself, I would want them to go do their own thing because yep. that's just the way it is. I'm not here to serve people like me. I'm here to serve people that, you know, I need people like that and they need somebody like me. And if I came across myself again, I, I would love to be just like you and I, we're very much that way. You know, you and I would be terrible teammates. Yep. That's why we're always joking. We, we've got a mutual friend. We're always joking about him coming to work with us. It's that we never joke like, hey, Justin, why don't you come down here, right? You know? yeah. Like, because no, it just no, no. wouldn't work. You'd have too, yeah. too many chiefs in that house, right? Too many visionaries. Exactly. And I think that's a good thing, you know. Um, but my, you know, my, my job is serving the people that don't have my strengths. And for every strength I have, I have a shitload of, of weaknesses that they have. And I've learned that the hard way, the more I let stuff go, the more I'm like, wow, they are so much better at that. What did I even think I was doing? You know, to, to, to a point where maybe I, you know, I don't do a whole lot because I'm probably not as good at it as my ego says I am. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I know. That feeling. I'm currently learning that lesson. I knew this was always going to be a problem and managing people. I knew this from the beginning when I started building a team. And now that I've got, you know, 11 agents here on this team and I'm having to start get to that point where I'm managing them a little bit better. I am not great at it. So it's like right. a constant thing I've got to fix. So we always got to watch that. You know, you know, Nikki, so we moved her into that position. Um, and that was the same position I got to. I have uh, my wife is an implementer. I'm a visionary, uh, but she's not a manager. She's not uh, direct enough sometimes. And, uh, you know, Nikki, she's got a strength that she, that Tara and I just don't have. And um, I, I'll, I could I could emulate it. I'll never get that good. So it's like, well, how do we how do we now find a way to make that work? You know? And yep. that's what we're doing right now. And she's, uh, she actually didn't really love real estate that much. It turns out, but she does love this position. It's just, you know, real estate's not for everyone in our situation. It's, you know, in our organization, if I can find a place for you, you, you know, we can all, we all grow because of it, you know, you're in, let's figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes we think that the real estate industry or people that we bring on only need to be agents or only need to be an admin or something like there's no side right. shifts that can happen. But if you looked at, if corporations, big corporations looked at that the same way, they would never grow. They'd never get to where they need to. Right. Because sometimes people need to take that shift over into something that they're better suited for. That's an excellent point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Real so, estate, you know, it's just not for everyone and it's, it, that's yeah. okay. It's really not. So Justin, I've taken a ton of your time. I've got one last question right. for you. All right. You're talking to somebody in the industry and they're struggling right now. What is one or two nuggets or pieces of advice that you're giving, maybe let's say a coaching student or anybody listening to get out of that rut and make this a career. They want it. They want it really bad. They just can't figure it out right now. Yeah. So listen to your people. What are they, what are their problems and start finding solutions for it. Even if that doesn't necessarily equate to a commission immediately, that's how you build relationships. If you are in a position where you can afford to, you know, uh, investing yourself right now, you're not on the ninth inning, build the ark because the, uh, the flood is going to come when it comes, there won't be, uh, there won't be the competition that you're used to, but you have to have faith in building an ark when everybody else thinks you're crazy. Cause right now, everybody that you're going to run into is cutting cost. They're trying to figure out how they can cut cost, cut cost, which is a great opportunity for somebody that can, you know, again, you can uh, invest time as well. If that's what you have um, in the beginning, you'll have more time than money. Um, so invest time with your people. It might not turn into a commission today, but it will turn into a commission tomorrow. That's still an arc. 
Um, I have, I'm have i in a position where we have a little more money set aside so I can afford to invest in money. And my team is my time. That's my capacity. So we're investing heavily and honestly not making as much money um, as we would like to. You know, We're hemorrhaging a little more. Um, but that's all part of the plan because we're growing um, in a down market. That's excellent. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, ask you any questions, maybe you don't want to get be, be you know, reached out to, but if you no, no, do, no. Like how would somebody go about getting a hold of you, Justin? Uh, you can call me 816-439-8106 or my email is justin at plainsparis, P-L-A-I-N-S-P-A-R-I-S.com. Awesome. So if you guys have any referrals for Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas City, Kansas, apparently, yeah. uh, you can definitely reach out to Justin and he would uh, obviously take very good care of them. So, Justin, thanks so much for uh, coming on board. And I think this was excellent. Thank you. Talk to you soon. <laughs> See you, man. Thanks so much for listening to Real Estate Agent Lessons with Mongo. This was a three-part series, so if you made it this far, you liked what you heard. There are two other podcasts with Justin Berry and some of his insights. So be sure to make sure you're following the podcast and comment down below anything else that you guys would like to hear about. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking to Cassandra Lopez, who runs a team and... Well, let's just say it's a very exciting podcast with lots of great information. So I hope to see you guys there. Thanks for listening.